Of Hello, welcome to Chapter 3 Podcast, the show for readers of science fiction, fantasy, and romance. This is Season 2, Episode 24. We are so excited today to have best-selling romance author Sarah McLean joining us to talk about her most recent book release, Heartbreaker. Sarah, thank you so much for, for joining us. We're yeah, really thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I think it'll be really fun. I don't know um, if people don't know, Sarah writes amazing, fun historical romances, which we're going to talk about, and also has a really great podcast. If you don't already listen to it, you should. Um, and we'll have all of that linked in the show notes or video description on YouTube if you're watching us there. And um, I don't know, Izzy, do you want to like start i know we have a list of questions we have a list of questions sure, for I'm you sure. <laughs> uh, i apologize for any mowing in the background because of course somebody's now is when someone starts yeah mm -hmm. uh -huh. of course always that's how that, that always happens mm -hmm. yeah we'll dive right into our big list of questions we've got for you uh <laughs> i think the first thing would be to uh, tell people what they can expect from heartbreaker uh and you know kind of writing this uh hell's bells series yeah. Um, well, Heartbreaker is the second in my Hell's Bell series, which is uh, it follows a Victorian era girl gang. I When I conceived of it, it was partially historically accurate. There is a kind of real deal girl gang that I that existed in Victorian England. And I wanted to I was fascinated by them. And then partially like a question that had lived in my mind for a while, which was like, what do superheroes look like in victorian england like without superpowers i mean do they have they, do they have superpowers sort of anger is their superpower maybe that's a good one <laughs> um, and so i sort of took i don't know the marvel universe and then these like real victorian era like lady criminals and mashed them together and got hell's bells um, so the first book, which was Bombshell and came out last year, the the conceit was that there would be, you know, four driving heroines, like four original bells. Um, and each one had a very particular set of skills, right? Like, so if you've ever seen, you know, any heist movie, there's when they bring together the gang, there's like, you know, everybody has a particular skill set that is necessary in order to pull off a heist, and so Cecily, who is the heroine of Bombshell, which came out last year, is a femme fatale, um, you know, really misjudged because of the way she looks and acts and, and able to manipulate men in a very particular kind of way. Adelaide, who is the heroine of Heartbreaker, is a professional thief and like was the greatest, like was raised by thieves, was a child thief, like continues to be a thief. Um, Imogen, who is the heroine of the next book, is an explosives expert and also just pure chaos. And then there's Duchess, who is the the kind of one that always has the plan. Loves it when a plan comes together, for those of you who have ever seen the A-Team. Um, and so, so I did a lot of like, I watched a bunch of heist movies. I watched a bunch of gang movies. And I was like, how do you build the most, how do I just write the most kind of balls to the wall, like fun action romance that I can write while trapped inside my house during a pandemic. And so <laughs> Hell's Bells happened because it was my fantasy world and now Heartbreaker is here. And it is, it's, you know, when you're writing a series, um, the first book is always the one where you set everything up. So you spend a lot of time worrying as a writer, like, is 
this going to be too world buildy? Like, is there going to be too much information in this book about how the world works? The second book is always really fun because you get to sort of knock down all the doors that you've, all the walls that you've built and then like show how the world expands. So this is a road trip romance. Um, it's actually a quest romance. Um, they are on the, the Adelaide and a very stern Duke who can't stop noticing her are racing to Scotland and you get to meet lots of other bells along the way and see like how big the network of these women is. It's so fun. I, I think it, both of us are about halfway through Heartbreaker right now. And it's it's been a lot of I, fun to read. I'm living for the chase part of it. Because I'm like, this is just so different than most historicals I've picked up lately. And I was just like, oh, it's so fun it's just to be like, we're on the run. Yeah. And then when we meet like the um, the bell in the, uh, when the Duke of Claiborne wrecks his stuff in the little like pit in the ground, I was like, oh, yeah. yes. She's very fun. There are a number of scenes with Lucia that are like on the cutting room floor because I had oh. so much fun with her. She's also in like a polyamorous relationship. And so it's like, it's a very fun, like wow. she's very fun and yeah. has a lot to say. Um, and she actually got cut out of the book. A lot of her got cut out of the book because it was like, didn't serve the uh, maybe she deserves her own novella I maybe know. okay really i think fun. we need a lot of demand for her novella already listen i know we're all demanding i'm not surprised also like yeah. since book one we're already like need to cool it <laughs> you can wait it's we fine. also need it's this hard. novella <laughs> yeah um, so one question we had is while writing Heartbreaker, was there anything and you, I, you, in your response kind of already a little bit touched on this, but anything specific you were watching or listening to that kind of inspired what you were writing for this well, book? That's a good question. Um, I have a playlist that's on Spotify and Apple music. Um, you can find, if you follow me on Instagram, there are links and everything there, but, um, and that playlist is very much like girl gang anthems <laughs> so that was really that's always a really fun way of of doing it um I for this actually I for the when I originally started designing the bells I was watching a ton like I said of heist movies movies where large groups of people had to work together to like achieve a goal um it will surprise absolutely no one that I have watched Peaky Blinders like 14 times um Fair. <laughs> I mean, it just, it's just all there in the text. Like once you say that out, once I say that out loud in a room full of people, they're like, oh yeah, that all checks out. You're, that's obvious. Um, Heartbreaker though, because it's a quest, it, I spent a lot of time reading, you know, road trip books, like reading books where people were moving across, you know, large swaths of land. So um, you know, people who I think write great road trips, like Thea Harrison's Dragonbound series begins with like what I think is one of the greatest road trips ever. Millivane's The Heart of Blood and Ashes is a quest. Mm -hmm. um, uh, um, Beverly Jenkins has like a magnificent road trip romance across the American West. Like there are just there are some really fantastic existing road trip slash oh joanna shoop's tycoon which is on a train like there are all these like really fabulous that one probably inspired me the most that joanna shoop book because um you know one of the challenges when you're writing a road trip is like keeping the characters so obviously you know there are obvious ways that you keep the characters together but um 
you know, there are lots of other things that can happen over the course of a road trip that can separate them. And that Joanna book is so great because it's a novella and it's terrific. And they're literally trapped in a train car from New York City to St. Louis during the Gilded Age. Um, So it's, you know, whatever, three days on a train car. Um, And it's just the two of them alone for three days. And it's great because I've discovered over the course of this book that what I really wanted to write was like two people in forced proximity out of water, out of like their comfort zones. Mm -hmm. And so, and which is what a road trip always does, right? It pulls the characters out of their comfort zone. They get to be someone else while they're traveling. And um, in this particular case, like I really wanted to play with the idea of like, how can I make this as, keep them on the page together as much as possible. And what was fun about that was like literally cutting out anything where they weren't together, which is what I tried to do with this book is like, because I, I always sort of set myself like a, a writing goal <laughs> while I'm writing. And in this one, it was like, how can I like really carve out every space where they are not together? Like, so they, you'll find there's almost no, once they like, once like the road trip is on, there's almost no period of time in this book where they are separated and they're separated off page, but like you only see them together. And that was really fun to write. I mean, their dynamic is fun. Like I'm constantly giggling at like, they're just, Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. So like, I don't know what to do. I like you. She's like, (laughs) I don't know. She's like, no, we can't do this. There's a woman, B, and her books on Twitter. You, mm-hmm. you all must know her. Yeah. Um, and she's amazing. And she tweeted yesterday, frustrated man is my favorite flavor. <laughs> exactly. I was just like, oh. That's, a, that's an accurate That's accurate. Of very Claymore. accurate. Just, yeah. Yes. I was like, he's just so, he doesn't even know how to handle it. Just grunting mm-hmm. and just at things. And like, she's just like, what is your problem? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, you already kind of touched on the elephant gangs some, uh, mm-hmm. but what other kind of research did you do to prep for uh, Hell's Bells and Heartbreaker? Like, um, well, like I said, the 40 elephants, or, which is the yeah. gang, um, the girl gang that I, she's that it's based on, um, it was the largest shoplifting ring in the history of the United Kingdom. It was entirely peopled by women. And it was basically a bunch of women who realized that in the Victorian era, um, the sort of perception of women as soft and gentle and like very, very fragile was uh, a great way to, a great thing to be able to manipulate um, in order to get what you want as a woman, which is interesting because like, of course we have all kind of grown up in this, like women learn, you know, not to speak too broadly, (laughs) obviously this is going to be a very broad statement, but like many, many, many women like learn to survive through manipulation. And I don't mean that in like a negative way. I mean, like they literally learn how they have to like finesse the world around Mm -hmm. them without like actively, like women are not, many, many women struggle with like being able to immediately like say and do what they want in order Mm -hmm. to achieve what they need to survive. Instead, they have to learn how to like finagle themselves through the world in order Mm -hmm. to get what they need to survive right and a good example of this is like how you know uh you know when you want to when you're when you're a woman who you know is not with a man at a car like at a mechanic right like 
so many 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 times i have like played the like i'm a dumb baby and can you explain to me how like gas works to like figure out to like get this person to like give oh 100 i've done this want right and it i hate myself like i leave afterward and i'm just like i hate that that's the way the world Mm -hmm. is but like it just is right so these Mm -hmm. women discovered that like if you manipulate the perception of women as being fragile and like hysterical and mm-hmm. you know needing needing special treatment you can absolutely steal tens of thousands of dollars worth of goods from Harrods you know and so <laughs> I, you know it and makes like, sense because they would be like oh you're not smart enough to do this I no. mean it's so smart yeah and so like they would create these like elaborate gowns right where there were cages built they would build um, cages into their gowns, the skirts of their gowns. Now think about Victorian skirts, right? Like they're massive. They have those huge bustles, like huge skirts. And then they would create these like enormous pockets, like thanks, it has pockets, right? Inside the folds of the dress. And they would walk through department store. And this is the golden age. Lisa Kleypas fans will know this. Um, this is like the golden age of department stores, right? Like they, they, this is when they were invented. And they would like pick up leather goods or like furs, jewelry, like ma- like cosmetics, and they would just shove them into these massive pockets and fill the cages underneath their skirts with them and then walk out the side door to the department store and then offload all of their stuff to like a wild, like a battalion of other elephants right 40 elephants mm-hmm. um who would then like disappear into the crowd like this one with a fur hat this one with a stole this one with you know a That's perfume bottle wild. and then so by the time the police came because the police were called by the department store okay. by the time the police like grabbed the woman with the cage stuff was all gone and then she like, would what are you like talking about? she would like have a hysterical like outburst <laughs> and like faint and then it was like <laughs> Oh, well, she's fine. Like, <laughs> we were wrong. We were wrong. Take care of her. Like, she's so fragile, right? Um, but these women were amazing. The women who, the queen of the original queen of the 40 elephants, whose name was Alice Diamond, um, or she, was, she wasn't the original queen, but she was like the one who dominated for the longest time. And she um, was ultimately arrested and, she, and uh, jailed for falsifying papers to work in a munitions factory because she was going to take the bomb. She was going to like steal munitions and blow something up. So we don't know what, but I have my ideas. <laughs> um, so like, and then the, 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 the 40 elephants lasted until the 1960s. The queen changed every time a queen died or retired, a new queen was, um, wow. named and uh, the final queen of the 40 elephants was buried in a $6,000 dress that they had stolen from Harrods. I didn't realize it lasted that long. Mm-hmm. long I know it's time. wild, right? There's a book it's called um, Alice Diamond and the 40 elephants. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's written by a guy named Brian McDonald. Um, and his grandmother was the final queen of the elephants. That's amazing. Yeah, it's really, really cool. This is the thing is I think history, actual history has so many unexpected things Mm -hmm. that I think is really cool. I've said that so many times, you know, I get a lot of email and messages from readers and, you know, reviews and stuff on, you know, online Mm -hmm. that say like, 
you know, McLean's books are fine, but like none of this is historically accurate. Like she's really just writing mm-hmm. fantasy and like one, I am, I am writing fantasy, right? Like that's what historical romance kind of is. Yeah. Um, because I do take out a lot of the like terrible stuff. Like I don't want to have yeah. to do that and you shouldn't have to re- read it if you don't want to read it. And that's not what romance is for. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I've literally never had an idea for a plot or a character or a, you know, even just like a moment in a book that couldn't, that I couldn't find evidence happening of, you know, that it happened or that it could have happened. Yeah. And I think um, the way we perceive the world from, you know, the 19th century world, which isn't that long ago, first of all. Um, but the way that we perceive the 19th century and particularly the way we perceive people whose rights were infringed heavily in the 19th, in the 19th century um, is really nonsense <laughs> because like it's just the there were stuff there was there were people working for suffrage for abolition for social justice for you know queer rights for I mean like there were people constantly fighting and so when we say like okay well the lion's share weren't First of all, it doesn't mean that the lion's share of people weren't thinking about social justice, but also um, we write about exceptional people. That's our job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all those people have existed. Yeah. <laughs> Throughout history. I would love that. Yeah. Yeah. This couldn't have happened. Yeah. It's like, well, it probably could have. Yeah. 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 100%. Um, so how has it been moving time periods from like Regency to more Victorian? Has that been interesting? Yeah, I, so I started with Regency 16 books ago and um, it's actually not that difficult for me because I write in one universe. So the time just marches, right? Like, so time gets, Time moves forward in the McLeanverse in the same way that it moves forward in time, in like actual real time. Okay. So um, the change in the, what's, what's really fascinating though, is like me, Sarah, my interest in writing, like the things I want, I want to write now are so much better suited for Victorian than mm. they are for Regency. Um that it sort of just all worked out perfectly <laughs> that like I had started moving forward. I never had to change. Um, I never had to like tweak the dates or like make a jump, a big time jump. All the characters are still alive. They're all, you know, they're, they're all different ages now in the universe. Um, but also like it would really worked out so well that Victoria ascended to the throne in like during the, time frame of daring in the duke and like bombshell started like with her barely on the throne and it just hell's bells coinciding with like victoria as queen and the way men just like lost their fucking minds <laughs> when there was a queen um is really perfect <laughs> like historically <laughs> yeah. it just all just works out works great out sometimes perfectly. sometimes things just work out so Victorian just makes it, um, you know, there's a lot more. The Regency was actually much freer for women um, specifically. And uh, and I think like a more, it was a time when people worried, when, you know, like people of a certain ilk, just like privileged people just worried less. But 
Victorian era with like the rise of technology and the rise of industry and the rise of uh, a proletariat, right? Like a working class, like a, an actual functioning working class at, that was able to gain power and money and status in a different way than like birth started really happening right around the Victoria, the sort of early Victorian era. And that's what I, I am no longer really that interested in the aristocracy. Like I'm much more interested in the people who build, who build the society rather than the people who like live mm -hmm. at the top of it. Um, and so it just, it's, it's logical for me, I think to be, I'm very comfortable writing here. That makes sense. That's a good question. Yeah. I wonder how, how do you, I'm just curious with that. How do you, do you, is there a way you keep track of all the different characters in that universe <laughs> and like what ages or parts of life they would be in at that point, different oh points? Do you have like the, the board with the line? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. And sometimes I get really stuck. <laughs> and there's a... I There's know. a girl on TikTok. Have you Brittany, seen her reading all your books? Amazing. In her life? I, I was like, her fruit basket. Wow. She's I was doing like, a lot oh of my work. goodness. <laughs> like when she came across my for you page, I was like, I'm in love with you right now. She, she's doing this like she has like a McLean, what she calls the McLean murder wall, and she's uh -huh. printed out in color all the covers of my books, and she's taped them up on her wall. And there's yarn, like oh indicating all the connections that she's done a full reread. You guys, it's magnificent that's amazing and there are all these like lines which is like you know this character was at the house in this book like 15 books ago and like <laughs> and it's like that's all true but also like seeing her map it out i'm like oh gosh yeah i did do that thing <laughs> um my problem is often that i like don't think too hard about like the, the world is so clear to me, like the, the structure of it. Like when I need a casino, I wrote a casino. That's the casino everybody goes to, right? Like mm -hmm. I need a bordello, like I need a lady bordello. I've written one, like that's where those ladies go. And so there's, you know, there are, that that's very easy for me. Um, time is not, I don't have a good time timeline. I really should. <laughs> I should paint it on my wall. Um, and so I do a lot of, I have a copy of every book that's by my desk. And like, I don't reread ever. I've never reread a full book. But um, every once in a while, I, I think to myself, like, oh, who was that guy? Or like, where was that place? Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, but sometimes I'll like, for example, um, in The Rogue Not Taken, part of the hero's like, past wound like her, his trauma is like there was a woman who um like kind of manipulated like he and her she and her father like manipulated his family and she was this particular name I can't even remember what her name was <laughs> and then uh in bombshell I had to like name all the children of Cecily's sisters and that heroine the heroine from The Rogue Not Taken was one of Cecily's sisters. Now, this is like six books earlier, right? Like, it's like a long time has passed. I no longer have all that information in my head. So I'm like, okay. So I sit down and I and I figure out how old all the children are and like who has what children and when they had to be born and all in order to fit into like the timeline of all of these books, these six books that I've written since. And I name them, just whatever, <laughs> names. Right. And then I got an email from a reader 
right after Bombshell came out that was like, I don't understand why King and Sophie, the hero and heroine of The Rogue Not Taken, would name their first daughter the same name as like that woman who had manipulated his whole family. And I was like, <laughs> <"Shit."> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and I was like neither do I. <laughs> They just wanted to pay homage to the. Like, oh my god! <laughs> They'll never forget. <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, oh, they no. definitely are giving that kid trauma with that name. Yeah, oh, like imagine your absolute worst enemy in the whole world, and you yeah. name your child after them. Oh man, that's terrible. So See, <laughs> authors make mistakes too. Everyone. <laughs> it's okay. It happens. I maybe I will ask Brittany of the Sarah McLean murder wall if she would like to make me like a book of like data. <laughs> but then I have to promise that I would look at it and honestly I'm not sure I would. So. That's true. Maybe she maybe like a graphic that you could do as like a pre-order giveaway yeah. thing. Oh, fun. Yeah. <laughs> Names never to use. Just I just need like I need a page that says that. Like like, like a, yeah, a family tr- like a family tree type uh yeah. graphic. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's oh, amazing. Yeah. All those um, names, every name in the whole world available to me. <laughs> it's bound to happen. You can't be the only author that's managed to do that. Oh, I feel like no, that I'm, sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> many, many have made the same mistake. I'm positive. Well, I'm always fascinated by people who, like Nora Roberts, right? Has written mm-hmm. 260 books or something. Yeah. I mean, like, has she never repeated a name? Because. I'm running out of ideas. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm only 18 in. So. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if she ha- she has to have repeated She's a name. She has to have repeated names. I mean, right? I like it just has to be. That's wild. The case. It's so now funny. I need to. Now I feel like I need to go see if there's a list. <laughs> I, I'm I sure know. somebody has done that. Just so I can be like, hmm, somehow you've not repeated, right? Or is you know the same one over and over. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay, so I wanted to talk some about your female characters and what draws you, uh, like, where you're drawing inspiration for them. Because they're always such strong characters, even if they're dealing with, like, terrible things or, you know, figuring life out um, still. But I just wondered where you get your inspiration for it from. Like, if they're particular I mean, people or if it's just in it's general. everyone. Just... It's the whole world. These days, throw a stone, hit a strong woman, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I feel like we're... Look, my books turn a corner in 2016 Mm -hmm. and like I think and I really do think like if you look at my books like as a continuum I look there's no it it's not like I woke up the morning after the election and like was a totally different person Mm -hmm. but I think like I woke up the morning after that election and I was like like on fire in some way like and so then it just became like all the little bits of McLean that were in the first, you know, seven books or longer, eight books, suddenly like activated in a different Mm -hmm. way. And I just like had more to say. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason why I had more to say is because I looked around me and I was so inspired by all the other people in my life who also had more to say. And when I say people in my life, I include like readers. I include people who are my mutuals on like Twitter, like you. Like I feel like it's other writers, it's activists, it's politicians, it's, you know, my kids' teachers, it's my kid, right? Like uh, suddenly 
there's just so every person I meet who is inspiring. I think this is true for all writers, right? Like you're inspired by every person you meet in some way. Like there are every conversation is potentially a book, right? And um, but I mean, it is I can't understand how people aren't writing women who are backed against the wall now and like have to figure out how to act. Um, I don't, I think that is a thing that is happening right now in romance. And I just don't understand how that's possible. (laughs) Um, Which is, you know, maybe that's, I mean, that's, it's just the way we're all built. Right. Um, And it's like a lot of, I think when the world just sort of started to burn, it feels like it's been burning for a long time, but it felt like, a lot of people, a lot of readers turned to softness. Like they, they turned to like wanting to read softer, kinder, gentler books. And like, that's totally great in the market. Like in the, the genre mm-hmm. gave that to them. Yeah. And, uh, and many of us, I think also turned like in the exact opposite direction. And we were like, give yeah. us, you know, give us like Millivane and give us like, you know, intense, intense heroines who are doing intense things like give us adriana herrera give us Mm -hmm. um you know people who are like we went back i don't think that it's any surprise that faded mates started reading cressley like doing a full reread of cressley cole in the wake of that 2016 election because it just felt like we just wanted heroines who when backed against the wall fight yeah yeah i can see that for sure i I mean i think I really think the genre like split in that moment. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's it's interesting. Cause I mean, I think I can see both of those things happening and I read, I think I pick up both of those types of mm-hmm. romance, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. And it, I, I think the soft, I, I wonder too, if some of the softer, more escapist stuff is sort of where all the monster romance <laughs> is coming. It from. is. It is. Right? 100%. Yeah. yeah I agree. It's not like, what we what was paranormal right post 9 11 i'm going to be a little nerdy with you guys but like post 9 11 right like yeah. was the rise of that like intense paranormal like mm-hmm. yeah uh jr ward was writing those like <laughs> her like wacky black dagger brotherhoods i mean it's not wacky it's so intense though like those guys are dialed up to 15 <laughs> and then cressley was writing like all of her valkyries and like iad and nalini was writing these like big paranormal like world ending things Mm -hmm. um and now monster romance is so soft and like lovely right but like i think about Mm -hmm. that minotaur romance like morning glory milking farm (laughs) right which i love like the best small town romance i've read the best contemporary like soft contemporary i've read in a long time but like so soft yeah and like mm-hmm. gentle and kind and what a decent dude. And like, mm-hmm. there was just so much to love about that whole world. Mm-hmm. And I do think this monster romance is like about finding softness in like this. Unexpected places. Yeah. Unpleasant well, time in yeah, some well, way, I mean, right? We're living in what's like feels apocalyptic in a lot of ways. Yeah. And so it's like, how do you find kindness and coziness and love and stuff in the middle of that? Yeah. I've also like, seen comments on it about how like the monster isn't going to judge you for the human things about your body, like stretch marks or oh, that's different things because they don't have the same beauty standards. And then how they're also like generally 
concerned about taking up too much space or hurting you mm. in a way that like we often maybe don't get in yeah human human well it's like also a pushback on some of the like toxic masculinity stuff mm-hmm. we have happening that this, oh like, totally giant, yeah. you know minotaur is like the gentlest lover <laughs> right right I'm so like there, world this is bit. the thing right like is there there's like it feels like there are two kinds of romance going on right now there's the we want to see the toxic or not toxic but we want to see like the patriarchy like embedded into men broken and like broken down and we want to see like a hero suffer yeah which is like that's the root of romance right like we've been seeing here we've been loving hero suffering for 50 years yeah. or we want to see these like heroes who are already suffering like at the start mm-hmm. right like they've already had all of that toxic masculinity like you said bethany like broken mm-hmm. and now they see that it pains them and so we can like there is a there is a, there are different books they are telling different stories yeah yeah it's so interesting um so one thing we were th- we were talking about is with your romance you write these historicals that still have kind of a modern mm-hmm. feel or vibe to them and so if you could you talk about kind of what draws you to write romance in kind of that way in that category? Um, like I said, I think historical for me is really about fantasy, right? It's about being able to really distill a world into like the very clear setting that I am interested in writing, right? Um I love writing historicals because I like that the boundaries of the world are very rigid, right? So like we all understand when we come to a historical what can and cannot be done in this world. Um, it's a little like writing magic, right? Except I don't have to invent the rules of the world. Like, you know, when I think, when you think about like the, what Sarah J. Moss say is doing, right? Like she's invented this world. There are mm-hmm. rules to the world. There are boundaries to the world. You spend many, many books in these series, like learning the rules of this world and understanding the world building. In historicals, I don't have to spend as much time. I do still have to obviously world build for you, but like you understand that like if these two get caught, like, you know, boning in a garden, somebody's not gonna, gonna be go like, well. they have yeah. to get married. Right. <laughs> so, so like there's like a little, it's a little, whereas in contemporary, if these two get caught boning in a garden, like, Maybe it gets on Instagram, like, and that's a little bit of a drama, but like, no one's going to be like, you must marry my daughter. Right. Mm -hmm. Unless you're in a mafia romance and that's like also a fantasy world. (laughs) Right. So the, I think, um, so I think there's something really, for me, there's something very freeing about being able to like untether from contemporary, from like the sort of wide, almost like no rules world of contemporary of the contemporary United States say mm-hmm. um, and still, but still like retain those modern sensibilities, which mm-hmm. are not super modern. Like Lizzie Bennett still speaks to us all because Lizzie Bennett talks like a contempt. I mean, she sounds mm-hmm. like our friends. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I don't know that. I mean, I have a lot of questions about like, what is it? What is, is and not isn't a modern historical? Yeah. However, yeah. I will appreciate that. Like, 
Imogen creating a like inventing a glitter bomb is pretty modern, right? Like so so I think like I think that for me it's about like I want historicals to feel really, really fun because mm-hmm. when I started reading romance and started reading historicals, they felt really, really fun. Like we meet historical romance heroines in the 1980s, like, you know, captaining their own pirate ship, mm-hmm. shooting radishes at cockroaches, like, you know, like being just crazy and like fun. And yeah. I want that. Like, I miss that. I loved every one of those books because it made me feel like they they could take me away. Those heroines were strong and badass and like could take me away. And I still feel like that's the value of historical today. Yeah. Um, but when you write a book in 2022, about 1842, you're writing for readers in 2022. Mm-hmm. And I think the perception of like the, the critique of they feel so modern. Like, yeah, I think it's supposed to be insulting to me and it's really not. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it's a compliment yeah, here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it, you know, like as you're talking, the thing that occurs to me is I, I, you know, I know in other mediums, there is sometimes this sort of idealization of this imagined past that never mm. really existed in like the 50s or something. And so part of me wonders if there is a subset of historical romance readers that are doing the same thing where it's oh, like yeah. they want this imagined past where like gender roles are very specific and things are like constrained in a certain way when that never maybe really existed the way they think it does. But I do wonder if like that's some of where the pushback can come from. I think that's absolutely right. And I think that readers who feel that way need to interrogate sexism, racism, homophobia, transphobia. I mean, like, yeah, and I'm not calling those people sexist, racist, homophobic Mm -hmm. and transphobic, but I'm saying like, hey, Maybe there's some internalized shit for us to like all unpack together. Yes. I mean, let's also be real. We don't want to if we were alive then. It's fine. Oh, I mean, I would, I would not survive. It's fine. No. I would not have survived. And it it's was fine. not great. Like, listen, no. it was, you know, I think a lot about like as much as we say, like, oh, everything's terrible. Like, we are still the, you know, we are still marching forward. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Many of us. I mean, with the exception of people with uteruses in America right now, are better (laughs) off and have more rights now than we did Mm -hmm. in the 1840s. Yeah. Um, Women could have abortions in the 1840s, just FYI. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, there's, there's, well, I mean, and I think there's a reason that like I hear from a lot of friends who are readers who are, you know, black or people of color who are like, I, am careful like don't want to read as many historicals or I wouldn't want to live go back and live in the past because Mm -hmm. like there's no place where that is a positive thing you know so yeah I think I think there's a lot of I which I appreciate that there are more writers now who are writing historicals and thinking about some of those realities I like Adriana Herrera who we've had on here before and she's well Adriana (laughs) has probably talked to you about how she would not like she doesn't she says all the time that she like she has no interest in writing historicals prior to you know, mm-hmm. abolition yeah, and like global abolition, like abolition across the, um, the United Kingdom and all the colonies. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's a very understandable and real way of like, you know, setting boundaries. Yeah. Um, I think that the work of writers like me, aside from 
my God, you guys, we have to lift up these voice, like own voices, or we have to lift up, we have to lift up authors who are writing their own stories in these um, time periods. Yeah. But our work also is to tell the truth about the time we are writing in, mm -hmm. which is, mm -hmm. you know, BIPOC people existed. <laughs> they lived happily. Queer mm -hmm. people existed. They lived happily. Trauma is not the only story to be told about these people. Yeah. Um, you know, trans people existed and lived happily. So um, I think that that is our work. That is the failure of historical romance over the last 50 years that has been so mm -hmm. predominantly cis, het, white. Yep. Um, and it came from a very particular gaze. Mm -hmm. And yeah. um, I think we are doing better but we are not doing great. Yeah. Yeah. Like better is a long continuum. Yeah. Through the lens. Yeah. Of yeah totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I know we have like limited time. Izzy, I don't know what you want to go for. Um, I think the spicy. We should ask the spicy. Okay. Question. All right. All That's right. always fun. Like, <laughs> oh, you write spicy scenes in your books. I like asking this question of romance authors always. I feel like it's always interesting. The response. And it's a crowd pleaser. <laughs> Yeah. How do you approach writing your sexy scenes and your spicy scenes in your books? Is it hard? Do you they are the it, you know? they are the most difficult scenes that I write. Um, it yeah. could take me I, to give you a frame of reference. I could write, you know, I could write a chapter in a day mm -hmm. if of like a normal whatever. I write a long chapter like a twenty. I could write twenty pages in a day without any trouble of any other part of the book, but it can take me a week to write a, a sex scene. And that's not just because in Heartbreaker, there's a four chapter sex scene. <laughs> uh, although that is a real thing. Um, the, I think um, sex is really challenging for me because it has to do a lot of like narrative work. Mm -hmm. um, it does a lot of character work in my books. Often it relates to the plot in some way. Um, it complicates everything. Sophie Jordan might like, closest friend in the world likes to say that um sex should make everything worse always <laughs> um and i think that that's really true like i think you know in a romance novel that's the job of sex um and whatever worse means in the context of of the book but um it's interesting because all and also because i i don't want it to be boring like i don't want it to feel like oh this is just like here we go, like another McLean sex scene. Like every time I write one, I'm like, all right, well, how do we do this in a way that's like mm -hmm. relevant to the characters and feels correct and feels like how the characters would do it? <laughs> in Heartbreaker, Heartbreaker, um, a lot of people are responding to it very positively um, mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, but I am hearing over and over again, like the, this is your hottest book, um, which is very surprising to me because I didn't actually think that it was my hottest book. Um, but Claiborne has some a real like daddy vibe. So he does. He does. He does. He's uh he's there's like some praise kink in there. Although I, I know I saw him. you lead into the current trend of praise kink and mm -hmm. I was like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um I I don't know that it I thought of it as a trend situation, but it does, it is on trend. How about that? And it um, is on trend. And uh listen, I saw somebody yesterday tweet. I forget who it was. I wish I could call them out um, that they didn't think praise kink should be considered a kink because it shouldn't be kink like a kink to have somebody like, like tell you that you're doing great. 
you know what? I, mean, I support that. As a yeah. way of- I mean, <laughs> yeah. I think it's, it's got to be the opposite. You know, we have to have the opposite thing to the degradation. I guess so. I guess so. Well, also, I I mean, I I guess there are probably people who have, like, a stronger reaction to praise than others. Like, it should be fine for everybody, but, like... Deeply uncomfortable praise, though. (laughs) (laughs) So for you, it is a kink. (laughs) Yeah, it would be then, because I'd be like, no, any other time. (laughs) Absolutely not. But I'll read it, and I'm like, this is great. (laughs) That's amazing. Uh, so we like to do a thing where we talk about recent and upcoming book releases that are on our radar. So yeah. we thought it would be great if you have anything that you want to share that you think people should um, be aware of. And we'll give you a minute to think because we yeah, have a couple. I'm, I'm looking around. My, my like, uh, I will not show you my office, but it is literally <laughs> piles of books. Every- well, you can see this. We can relate. I mean, this is like, what we do. All over I was like, <laughs> Do you, do you really think what's around me is not dissimilar right now? <laughs> right. I didn't um, just bring up like my stack of books I got in the mail yesterday no, and set them on a bookshelf and say, you'll go up later. Yeah. Um, so I know the ones and, and you anything recent or upcoming you want to talk about is great. The ones yeah. we're going to talk about are released, I think, mostly between September 6th and September 19th, 2022. Okay. Um, and so the first one, I haven't read this yet, but I'm excited about it, is The Holiday Trap by Roan Parrish, which is a contemporary, oh, it's a contemporary romance that's like a queer take on the holiday film, like oh, where people like cute. spot, which I yeah, think yeah. will be adorable. So I'm very excited to pick that one up. It's coming out September 6th. Uh, Is he? Yes. I've got Angelica Frankenstein makes her match by Sally It's Thorne. so weird and good. <laughs> I'm very hopeful. As someone oh, you knows. haven't read it yet. <gasps> no. no. Yeah, I'm very excited. It's weird, you guys. Can I swear? I've sworn a couple yeah, of times. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, but this is about Angelica making her match in the lab. And I, I just, it sounds so, it sounds weird. And I was just like, I'm in. I am very in. Because uh, I like Listen. Sally Thorne's writing. Didn't love mm-hmm. Hating game, but I'm excited to try this because I Listen, feel like it seems right up my alley. So here's what I'm gonna say. I'm sorry, I'm just gonna interrupt you and You're tell fine. you all about no, it. Like, so it. here's the thing: if you didn't love the hating game, I actually think this might be like your full, like yeah. it might scratch the perfect itch for you because it okay. is the opposite of the ha- <laughs> like it is so <laughs> okay. Here's what I want. Here's all I want in the whole world is for Sally to just keep writing, just like whatever pops into her brain right because mm-hmm. this book so yeah angelica frankenstein uh is victor dr frankenstein's sister mm-hmm. and it begins with her and dr frankenstein going to the morgue to like get the bodies for <laughs> both his creature and she too is going to build herself a mate um, I love this. But like <laughs> in through the course of chapter one, this is not a spoiler in any way. She through the course of chapter one, she's it becomes clear that she's tried to do this several times before to no avail. Oh, and no. then like they've had it has not gone well when they've run the electricity through them. Oh, no. And so and like it is so bananas. And so you're sort of you're watching you're I mean, laugh out loud funny. And then at the end of like the first chapter, they 
awaken this creature that they've built that she's built of like you know multiple parts Uh um and he's like a sentient being for the first time ever like they've never had one like Mm -hmm. actually like wake up with thoughts and like verbal like being able to verbalize yeah Yeah. and it is so weird (laughs) and also like freaking delightful it's so funny like sally is the one of the funniest right like all this discussion of like what is a rom-com like Mm -hmm. sally is without question one of the greatest Mm -hmm. rom-com writers of a generation and it's so weird (laughs) and like but like my thing so my thing is like i've just given you the first chapter if that sounds Mm -hmm. at all enticing this is the book for you if it sounds like it's like oh god i don't know it may not, not be the book for you see when i was reading it when i everything i heard i was it like you know so i didn't know i wanted this but i've always wanted this frankenstein bro and the whole time you know yeah and for me mm-hmm. like a romance really is about um being able to not being able to see how it's going to end Mm-hmm. right like how is she gonna pull this off and there's mm-hmm. so much weird stuff about this like who was this man he has a brain and a past life like he like what happens like you've woken him up he died of something like yeah. there's so many questions that have to be answered in order for happily ever after to be achieved yeah and mm-hmm. also this one is for the like unlikable heroine Ooh. crew because at the very beginning like you know what angelica is like not the greatest you're sort of yeah. like, do I like this person? By the end, she's like, you. I would die for her. And the whole thing is just, it's such a treat. I love an unlikable heroine. So I'm yeah, very that sounds amazing. I'm extra excited now. <laughs> That's Me great. too. Um, I'm going to go with, so Eva Moore uh, has a book out called Caught or Coming. Um, actually, I think it might be this week. It's No, it's the 30th. It comes out August 30th. Okay. Um, and... It's called Caught a Vibe, and it's a COVID. It's a romance that, like, tackles COVID as a, like, concept. And I'm really excited about it. I haven't read it yet. Um, And what I'm excited about is, like, romance seems to have kind of, like, avoided this Mm -hmm. as a theme. Mm -hmm. And I can totally understand why a lot of people are avoiding it. But basically, they're, like, quarant. It's, like, two people who... um, like they had a one night stand um, and they are like through a confluence of romance reasons um, forced to quarantine together because they get COVID or I don't know if they get COVID or they, I don't know. They are, but they do quarantine together. Cause I haven't read the book. Okay. But it's called caught a vibe. And I'm like kind of into it. She's a sex toy designer. He's like a tech writer and they are like forced to quarantine together as like basically strangers. That sounds kind of amazing. Yeah. And I'm sort of like, I feel like now two and a half years later, I'm ready for this. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm really looking forward to reading it. That sounds awesome. Yeah. That one sounds fun. Yeah. Um, Okay, so quickly, like, the two others coming out soon I'm really excited for. September 6th, we're also getting The Sunbearer Trials by Aidan Thomas, which is uh, his first YA fantasy with a – he's a a trans Latinx author, and it looks really fun. So it's got, like, trials elements. It's got a queer romance, a trans main character – I've really enjoyed the other two books that Aiden has written. And so I think this one is going to be good. And then so excited September 13th for Nona the Ninth by Tamsin Muir, because I'm obsessed with 
that entire <laughs> series, which is like either for you or not for you. I feel mm -hmm. like people fall very strongly one way or another, but I think Tamsin is a brilliant experimental writer and it's like horror sci-fi lesbian necromancers and it's it's great so i'm very cool. excited for book three okay and then on september 13th we also have the makeup test by jenny l howe which is a two phd students are TAing for the same teacher and they're rivals and it sounds like they're nice. battling it out for the last spot to fill a uh, research trip nice so that sounds like a fun yes. And it's like to lovers. If Allie Hazelwood wrote The Hating Game. Yeah, that's what it yeah. sounds like, kind of. But with, I think, a plus size heroine. It looks Ooh, yeah, fun. Yeah. Plus size on the cover. So fingers yeah. crossed that's true. Yeah. It sounded like it in the description. So awesome. Exciting. Um, so my next pick is Adriana. Since it's just like an Adriana day for us. Adriana's <laughs> on the hustle. Yes. Which is out October 11th. Um, and the heroine is, I have this on my Kindle and it is actually my next read. Nice. Um, but the heroine is a um, Instagram, like she does, or not Instagram, she she does book themed makeovers, like bed bedroom makeovers for her friends. So like, oh, which I think is like, listen, I love a heroine with a crazy job. Um, mm -hmm. And I love this idea. So basically they're like, you know, I want a Game of Thrones bedroom. And so like, she like, helps them like figure out oh, what so cool. like how, what the bed would look like and how like the walls would be um and then but that's not like a, that's a, that's the job she wants to like make her job but to like pay the bills she is the assistant to a former olympic swimmer and heir to a real estate empire because obviously <laughs> of course <laughs> and he's the worst and he like asks her like he's constantly making these like terrible demands and she just finally quits. She gets like an opportunity and she quits. And he's like, and this is my, this is my favorite trope ever. It's like assistant quits. Cause she's tired of her like hot boss being a jerk. And then he's like, he just melts down. And then he like the chases her to Dallas. I love it. To like win her back. Oh, that's amazing. I always love Adriana's books. So she's, and I, like I said, I haven't read this one yet, but I'm sure it's super hot. Cause yeah. It has to be. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no way it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Amazing. Uh, so everything will be linked in show notes and video description for anybody looking for any of these books. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. It's been thank you for so much fun me. to talk. Yeah. Thanks. This has been really great. Uh, if any, if you enjoy the podcast, we'd appreciate if you take a minute to rate and review us. And if you're interested in getting early access to bonus and exclusive bonus content, consider supporting us on Patreon. And huge thanks to all of our supporting patrons who make this possible. We'll be back in two weeks. I'll be back with Liana to talk about A Little Hatred by Joe Abercrombie, continuing with the read-along we're doing. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Chapter 3 Podcast and find us on our individual YouTube channels. Next episode will be up in two weeks and this episode's bonus content will be available to patrons in the next few days. Thanks for listening. Yay. Thank you. Bye. Bye.